0: Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring
1: Pastor Nicole Schreiber. What do you think Heaven is like? We're continuing our series today called "The Hope of Heaven. And today Pastor Nicole is joined by a panel of friends to answer a series of common questions about what and who we can expect to experience when we get to heaven. Let's start our conversation today. Here's Pastor Nicole.
2: So we are in the middle of a series called The Hope of Heaven. And in this series, um, we are looking at the biblical idea of heaven, and we know that someday uh, the human domain and the biblical domain, the divine domain, will fully reunite again, and that we are part of the mission of pulling heaven down into earth. That's why I love that song so much, because it said, God, bring heaven into earth. Let that collide. And we are part of the army of God that pulls that in. And so if we are followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus today, we can hang strongly onto a future hope that one day the world will be liberated from all bondage and decay and death and we will live forever with God in the new heaven and the new earth. And so today, what we're gonna do is focus on answering some questions that you might be wondering about heaven. I wonder if maybe you've wondered about it and never knew who to ask or felt silly asking. And so I gathered some of the most common questions that we think or ask about heaven, and I gathered some of the smartest people I know, and together we are going to try to answer some of those things. And so let me introduce you today. To this powerhouse panel of people. I'm so excited to to have them today. So first, right here, this is Caleb Schreiber. And Caleb and I actually are not related, even though our last names are the same. Um, and so, I just think it's like something special about that last name or something. But Caleb and his wife, Katie, um, serve at East Erie Assembly of God in Harbor Creek. So just hop, skip, and a jump away. Uh, Caleb loves youth and music and God's word. And um, I just love Caleb's commitment to communicating God's word. And that's why I asked him to join us today. And so we're just so thankful that he would take time away from his church to come be with us. Will you just thank Caleb for coming this morning? Great. (laughs) Great. All right, next in the middle, um, you often see her other half, Pastor Quint, up here leading worship or preaching, um, but this time he has to sit with all of the kids. See, look at this down here. Uh, But behind all the greatness of Quint is this incredible woman of God. Um, Erin is a loving mother, a steady and a faithful friend, and pursues God's presence with tenacity, and I know that firsthand. And so can you thank Erin for being here this morning? And then thirdly, we have Silvio Scavella. And Silvio is a longtime member of Erie First. Um, He cares deeply about this church family. Um, He is committed to... um, The things of God, above all things, if you know him at all, um, you know that his heart and soul is just to follow God with all his life. He has a particularly special anointing for teaching, I've come to find out, and so I know you will be super blessed by what he will share today, so can you thank Sylvia for being here as well? All right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pose some questions to this panel of people, and they are going to um, tackle those questions today, and I know that you'll be encouraged, and I hope it will answer some questions you might have about heaven. So Sylvia, we're going to start with you. Um, one of the questions that I often get asked is this, uh, when we get to heaven, will we know our loved ones? Like, will we have this kind of ongoing relationship with them? Specifically, will we still be married in heaven? How does that work? So how would you answer that?
1: I didn't even have to prepare for this. I have a joke that will answer all these questions. So it must be a Catholic joke because St. Peter's involved. So this man gets to the door of heaven, and uh, he's ready to go in, and St. Peter said, do you have any questions? And he goes, yeah, I have a couple of questions before I go in. And he said, well, what is your question? He goes, I'm wondering, is there going to be divorce in heaven? And St. Peter goes, I never had such a question asked. I said, but i got to go find out. A day later, St. Peter comes back, and the answer was, no, there is no divorce in heaven. And the man says, What took you a day to get an answer? He goes, you know how hard it is to find a lawyer in heaven? I'm sorry, attorneys. (laughs) Well, here he goes. The second question that the man has, will there be any marriage in heaven? And St. Peter goes, oh, you you asked some tough one. I never had been asked these questions. So he goes, I got to go find out. He leaves again. He comes back now this time three days later. And he says, I have the answer for you. There is no marriage in heaven. And he goes, why a three-day wait for that answer? He said, do you know how hard it is to find a pastor in heaven? <laughs> so, sorry, Caleb. Sorry, Nicole. Ouch. <laughs> well, all jokes aside, the questions that people ask about, is there a relationship in heaven with the loved ones? It's a, it's a real question because these people have tasted a love on earth that they don't want to lose. So that's the real question. Am I going to taste that love again? Am I going to be in love with these people all over again? So it's a fair question to ask. The answer relies on what kind of love we're talking about. So here on earth, we are definitely conditional love. We cannot understand unconditional love. I cannot understand, I just met Caleb this morning, loving Caleb as much as I love my wife. It's it's unnatural for me to understand that. But Jesus does tell us that we are going to love like he loves, unconditional. See, it's hard for me to understand how can Jesus love a believer as much as he loves a criminal? So it's the same type of story here that we're seeing. We need to understand that unconditional love is what we will experience in heaven. Of course, the scriptures does give us some insight on, it was a, an answer from Jesus, will there be marriage in heaven? And uh, there's in Luke and in Matthew, and in Matthew 22:30, Jesus says, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So the answer is here. There is no need. Not that there is like we, he doesn't want us to be happy with our loved ones. There's no need to be married. I found a great comment from, I love Matthew Henry commentaries. And here's what he said about the reason he wrote, the reason marriage on this earth was to fulfill three things which are not needed in heaven. The marriage on earth is to fulfill three things which we don't need in heaven. One is to propagate the world. Two is to experience love. And three, as Paul stated, that we would, we would not sin by surrendering to our sexual desires. See, those things are not going to be in heaven. So there is no need for us to be that way. Now, when it comes to other relationships, okay, family members, brothers and sisters, are we going to know, am I going to know my brother the way uh, I know him now? And I think that there was a great answer in that. First, I want to give you an example that it, it, it keeps on going into my mind. My mother is 89 years old, and uh, Her dad died when he was 40 years old. And I always think, can you imagine my mother getting to heaven and calling this 40-year-old man, she's 89, dad? It doesn't make any sense, does it? But Jesus has a, a real explanation why we won't have those relationships with our loved ones here, but they will be different. And we find that And I really want to read this to you because it really points out from Jesus what those relationships are going to be like. It's in Matthew 12, and it's in verse 48 to 50. Jesus says, He replied to him, Who is my mother, and who is my brother's? Pointing to his disciple, he said, Here are my mother, here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. We are going to be one giant family with God being our father. We don't need those special relationships. We're going to have a special relationship with everyone. So I guess that's my answer. Yeah, that's helpful. Maybe a little long, but I I really really wanted to share that.
2: Yeah, thank you. I like the one about
1: the pastors the most.
2: Yeah, uh, me too, Sylvia. me too. (laughs) Um, really good. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about what will heaven be like, because I know if you're like me, if we're going to be there for eternity, what will happen? Um, Caleb, what do you think, um, will heaven be boring? Like, what will we spend our time doing? You know, some people imagine, like, a church service for eternity, you know, <laughs> or, or running around on the clouds, but what uh, what do you see in the scripture of what heaven will be like?
0: So I really love it, because the Bible really portrays um, earth as the shadow of heaven, you know, we're, we're living in, in a place that was meant to be where the presence of God presided and where he was with us, and we were in perfect uh, union with one another and uh, with God. And and I, I think a lot of the things that we see, I think, besides quarantine, I, I think if I've learned anything about this time is that quarantine is a more of a representation of hell. Um, <laughs> But I think seriously, because um, I think what hell is th- is is just the opposite of heaven, which is uh, isolation, which is um, disunity, which is uh, despair and no pleasure at all. And I think the things that we see from heaven, not... I, I, the things that God, the Bible shows us about heaven is that it is that we are surrounded by people that we love, and that the presence of God fills our hearts and gives us peace, tremendous peace and, and, and we do a, a lot of those things and it's really hard coming from growing up in the church, a lot of times you read the book of Revelations and you're like, "Oh, this is what heaven is like. it's a bunch of weird things I don't understand and um, and whenever I learned how to take Scripture, Scripture really interprets other scripture. And to make revelations make sense to you, you have to read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel. And, and those things really shed light on what heaven will be like someday. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of things. There's going to be learning. I think uh, the, the Bible says that uh, we will have perfect knowledge. Now, perfect knowledge doesn't mean complete knowledge. I mean, c- can we think that whenever we get to heaven, it'll be boring because we won't learn anything because like, we'll already know everything, so what's the point? But there's a difference between perfection and completion. And, and we'll have perfect knowledge, but we won't have complete knowledge. So we'll still strive to still learn things, to ask people in heaven about things that they learned. We'll ask the Father things whenever we get to heaven. And, um, and that's not all we'll do. We'll eat. There's a lot of eating in heaven. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? There'll be a lot of eating and drinking in heaven in, in the presence of people and, and uh, perfect food. Thank God. Um. Uh, a lot of when I'm a youth pastor, and the question I get all the time is, "Where are my pets going to be in heaven?" And like, seriously. Yes, but not our pets, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, we see animals all the time throughout Scripture. God created animals. And uh, we see a lot of examples of animal-like things in heaven in the different visions that are, are given. So there will be animals in heaven. But as far as, like, the souls of, like, animals, it's really difficult because they don't have souls. But we will be surrounded by God's creation, which is animals in heaven. So may, maybe a little fluffer at home, or, or you got a cat or something, you uh, Maybe you won't see them in heaven, but we will be surrounded by the things that we enjoy.
2: Wait, so what's the fluffer? It's not a cat. Uh, is that the dog's so name?
0: My, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, anyway. it's a round term. <laughs> the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little pooch. Um, and, and like my favorite thing is like adventure. So like a lot of people see heaven like as in in the clouds and, and everything, but we see in scripture a union of heaven and earth. We see the the presence of of heaven and a new earth to be the same. So what you see around us, it won't be remade as this really weird abstract thing. It'll be God's original plan made to be the way that it was. So we will have mountains and we will have beautiful valleys and rivers that we can adventure in and hike and walk around with people and enjoy and have buildings and we can go get a burger. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but but we'll we'll have adventure with people. Mm -hmm.
2: That's good. That's really good. That does seem and feel a lot more exciting um, than the, some initial feelings of like fluffing on clouds, you know, all all day or that sort of thing. I loved what you said about it's a shadow of heaven. Um, so almost Earth is like almost think of all the best parts of Earth um, that those will be in heaven, but maybe not the things that are fallen, you know, fallen by sin. So that's a really awesome. It gives you a little comfort to know that there's some familiarity on the other side, and it's not just this complete. Uh, we have no idea what's going to happen. Okay, I want to just circle back to the eating um, <laughs> and drinking in heaven. Erin, um, I know we had a conversation, and I sort of asked you to bring some of your thoughts on this. Any any additional thoughts about what we eat and drink in heaven or scriptures that you found? that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So actually, my father passed away rather unexpectedly about 18 months ago, and so I have thought about heaven more in the last 18 months than I have my whole life prior now that I know that that's where my dad is. And one of the conversations that my children and I have frequently is what Gramps is eating and making in heaven. My dad was a phenomenal cook and um, he loved to eat. So we, you know, that gives us comfort thinking they'll say, is Gramps making fajitas today or, you know, um, whatever it is. So there are a lot of scriptures that show us that we will eat in heaven. Um, one, Mark fourteen twenty five. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God which indicates, obviously, food and drink. Uh, We know that the resurrected Jesus did eat after he had died and was uh, raised from the dead. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it before them. So we know that our resurrected beings are capable of eating. Um, Revelation 22, two mentions the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruits. It doesn't say that we'll eat from them, but it gives us indication that there will be food in heaven. Mm Uh, the scripture points to the fact that we will eat in heaven. It implies that we no longer will need to do it for sustenance. Obviously, on earth, we have to eat in order to survive. I believe in heaven we will not have to eat, but that we will be given the opportunity to eat for fellowship and enjoyment um, with our Savior and with, with the other people that are there. And then it also just mentions um, future feasts. Matthew 8:11 says, "'I tell you, many will come from east and west "'and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven.'" And it mentions the marriage supper of the Lamb. Obviously, a marriage supper uh, includes a feast. So I think we can deduce from that that there will be food and that there will be drink and i think it's fun to think about i remember as a kid asking my dad like what will the food be like in heaven and he'd be like it's going to be better than any food you've ever eaten here on earth and i think that can blow our minds because the food on earth is pretty good so um it's just kind of fun to think about and i think it makes it more real to think about that
2: that's really good Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> he just said in zero calories. <laughs> um, well, kind of going from that, I like how you mentioned um, the f- food and drink won't be sustenance. Um, Sylvia, so, you know, what can you tell us about what the scripture says about f- our physical bodies? You know, like will we have them in heaven? How does that work? Are we mists and vapors? You know, or um, how will we eat if we you know don't have a physical body? So, what do we know about that?
1: I FEEL BAD. I DON'T HAVE A JOKE FOR THAT ONE, (laughs) WELL, THERE there ARE SCRIPTURES THAT TELLS US AND DESCRIBES A LITTLE BIT uh, WHAT OUR PHYSICAL BODY WOULD LOOK LIKE. AND uh, THERE IS DEFINITELY A FORM BECAUSE WE KNOW THE SPIRIT CANNOT BE SEEN. SO IF WE WERE ALL SPIRITS, IT WOULD BE VERY HARD TO SEE. AND AS A MATTER OF FACT, SOME OF THE ANGELS THAT were seen on earth, they had to put a body form in order to be seen and taught to people. So, we know that as a spirit, we wouldn't even be able to probably see each other. So, definitely we're going to have a body. And um, here's what 1 Corinthians says. I, li- I like to read it this way, uh, and this is verse 42 to 44. So, it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is shown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. So if there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it's telling us here that our body is going to be perfect. It gives us a description of all the faults that we have today in our bodies To uh, at this point. Moment, But what will it be like is basically a body like Jesus. And we know, even as Aaron said, Jesus ate. You know, he sat down, and I don't think that we need to eat, but it's probably going to be enjoyable. I'm uh, like you, Aaron. I like food. I like to eat. I like to be around people. Uh, you know, going back even a little bit to what Caleb was saying about being in heaven, will it be boring there? How can it be boring when if we have a great time with friends, we don't want it to end? Right. Or we love to be with people that we love and we don't get bored with them. How could we get bored with a a perfect God, a perfect Jesus? So all those things are part of the body that we are going to have. And we also know that at the transfiguration, that... Uh, Elijah and Moses were recognized by Jesus, by Peter, James, and John. So they had to have a form, they had to have a body in order for them to be uh, recognized. I like also, if you guys don't mind, I like to read this one more scripture that Paul really describes what this tent is like now and what it will be like in the future. And this is in uh, 2 Corinthians, Uh, Chapter 5 and verse 2 through 4 says, For in this tent we groan, we longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we were still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we will be further clothed so that what is moral may be swallowed up by life. So here it is. He's saying, you're going to be further clothed. So Paul's saying, this tent that you live now, just like Jesus said earlier, it's going to be better. You're going to be in a different dwelling, in a different tent. And the last one that I really want to mention to you is this, that we will have a physical body. Here's what Jesus said about his body. I think this really puts it together what our body is going to be like. And it's found in Luke 24 and verse 39. And Jesus says, Look in my hands and my feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. He has flesh and bones. So we will definitely have a body in heaven
2: really good. Thank you. That's Those are great scriptures. Um, so Aaron, I'm going to circle back to you. Now, last week I shared, if you were able to listen in, that um, we see in the scripture in Revelation that those who have died and gone to be with Jesus can actually, they get a, a glimpse, at least on some level, of what's happening on earth. We know that because um, they they referred to things on earth that was happening, and so we know that they can see us. Um, but I did want to um kind of talk about uh, when we get to heaven, like, do we automatically know everything? Do we, Are we omniscient like God is? Or what's the difference? Because I want to clarify, um, when you die and go to heaven, you can see things on earth, but you are not God. I mean, you cannot see it all. So what can you tell us maybe a little bit more about that from your research?
3: Yeah, um, so many of you maybe have read the book by Randy Elkhorn, Heaven, and I'm actually, it's okay, if it's okay, I'm going to read an excerpt from that because he said it so much better than I possibly could have, and this has to do with what will we know in heaven. He says, it's common to hear people say, we don't understand now, but in heaven we'll know everything. One writer says that people in heaven can easily comprehend divine mysteries. Is this true? Will we really know everything in heaven? God alone is omniscient. When we die, we'll see things far more clearly and we'll know much more than we do now, but we'll never know everything. The Apostle Paul wrote, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. That's 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. The italicized words are based on two different Greek words. And forgive me, I don't speak Greek. So gnosko and epi The prefix epi intensifies the word to mean to really know or to know extensively. However, when the word is used of humans, it never means absolute knowledge. In his systematic theology, Wayne Grudeman says, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, does not say that we will be omniscient or know everything. Paul could have said we will know all things, ta, panta, if he had wished to do so. But rightly translated, simply says that we will know in a fuller or more intensive way, even as we have been known. That is, without any error or misconceptions in our knowledge. I think that's the key right there. Obviously, we all have our own understanding of the scripture and what we think heaven will be like, but we must all understand, I would hope, that it is with error, because we are human, and that no one fully knows at this point what everything is going to look like. So, And then he goes on to say, the New Living Translation reads, now we see things imperfectly as in a poor mirror. Mirrors in Paul's time had serious flaws. Corinth was famous for its bronze mirrors, but the color was off and the shapes were distorted. The mirror's image lacked the quality of seeing someone face to face. Knowing and seeing were nearly synonyms in Greek thought. The more you saw, the more you know. One day we'll see God's face and therefore truly know him. Under the curse, we see myopically. When we're resurrected, our vision will be corrected. We'll at last be able to see eternal realities once invisible to us. So it goes on to say in heaven will be flawless, but we will not know it. But not knowing everything isn't a flaw. It's part of being finite. Righteous angels don't know everything and they long to know more. They're flawless, but not finite. We should expect to long for greater knowledge as angels do. And then he goes on to talk about learning in heaven, like Caleb mentioned, and how we will be able to learn and, um, you know, experience new things in heaven.
0: An amazing part about that, like, to one of my favorite things about being on this earth is the more that we learn about Jesus, the more we grow to glorify him and to love yes, him absolutely. deeper. Like, and it, without that, without being able to learn more things about God, like, I, I think his perfect plan for us is to continue to grow in love with him. Yeah. And for doing that for eternity sounds amazing.
2: That's good. And all the studying and the, uh, the way that we learn and understand who God is here isn't wasted, if you will. You kind of get to heaven and grow from there. And so there isn't a, there isn't a moment where you feel like, well, I don't have to study the Bible because when I get to heaven, it'll all be downloaded to me, you know, right? Um, that's not how it works. It's a growing knowing. Silvio, did you have something to add to that? Well, I
1: thought there won't be any fact check in heaven. Yeah, that's
2: true. It's going to be perfect. No fake news. <laughs> it's <gonna be> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, really good. Um, Erin, you mentioned just briefly in that uh, explanation about angels. And actually next Sunday, um, the entire message will be about angels. So you won't want to miss that because there's a lot we know and there's a lot that we're filling in the blanks. But one question uh, we do see in Luke that... Um, when we die, uh, there is an account of an angel that accompanies us to heaven. Uh, So do you think that that's something we can look forward to or what, you know, kind of what does that mean for us?
3: Yeah, so the scripture that Pastor Nicole is referring to, I'm just going to read a very small uh, portion here where we see it in the scripture. It's in Luke 16, uh, 19. It says, Now there was a rich man dressed in purple and fine linen, living it up in luxury every day. But a poor na- man named Lazarus had been laid at his gate, covered with sores and longing to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming to lick his sores. It happened that the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Then the rich man also died and was buried. So, here we see an example in the scripture of an angel accompanying someone to heaven. I think it's totally reasonable to assume God gave us the Holy Spirit here on earth so that we would never be alone. I think... In God's great grace and love, it would make sense that he would send an angel when we leave this earth and go to heaven to accompany us to heaven so that we aren't alone ever. That was Jesus' intent, you know? And it does, you know, thinking back on my father's death, it does give me comfort to think of that as a possibility. I wouldn't say that we could necessarily say for sure, but we see it in the scripture.
1: You know, I wonder... If in the Old Testament was an angel, if in the New Testament isn't Jesus that takes us home. So, because there's a a big difference between the Old Testament and New Testament and what Jesus did at uh, his death and resurrection. So, my opinion is it may actually be Jesus that takes us home.
2: Even better. That's beautiful. Yeah. Really good. Awesome. Um, Okay, let's just have have two or three more questions here. so we know uh, that in heaven, uh, not everyone uh, that lives on earth will go to heaven. That's a sad reality, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Um, so, Caleb, what would you say to someone um, maybe who has lost someone and they're not sure about their eternal, you know, future? Uh, when we get to heaven, will we be sad? Like, will we realize those who aren't with us? Um, you know, how would you maybe answer that question if someone asked?
0: So, uh, I think a couple of things. So first of all, I think that whenever we get to heaven, that the heart of God throughout scripture really shows us that he mourns the people that he is not with. And, uh, so I think that we as people who follow and try to, uh, and, to uh, emulate the heart of God, we do mourn and long for those people to come to Jesus. But I think once we're in heaven and we are uh, in in perfect peace with Jesus, that he will give us perfect peace and trust in God's plan and the fact that uh, things happen on the earth and and people um, uh, decide not to follow Jesus for for specific reasons. And I think we'll know that because Jesus will uh, give us the peace and the trust in him and what he's doing in those people's lives.
2: Yeah, that's really good. Um, that's a really difficult question, Very you know, nice. and it's something to uh, to really wrestle with. Did you have something to add? or You, Aaron?
1: you know, last Sunday night, we were at worshiping with some people that we didn't, maybe we never met or knew. And I thought, this is a little bit of an example how we don't miss the people that are not there because we are in such a presence of God. And with other people that love the Lord, that worshiping God, we're not bring us back and say, oh, so-and-so is missing tonight, or so-and-so is missing. So I think the perfection and the worship that we're going to give to the Lord, it's going to be all about who is there at this time mm-hmm. worshiping God.
3: Yeah, and I think if I could add, I actually just finished a really interesting podcast uh, series, and it actually was about the ambivalence that a lot of Christians feel when they think of the Jesus returning and of heaven. And one of the reasons that I think Um, based on listening to this podcast, that we can feel that way is we feel like there is some loss that inevitably is going to occur whenever we get to heaven or when Jesus returns, such as, but I wanted to see my kids grow up, but I wanted to get married, but I wanted to do this or do that. And I I think what is hard to grasp in our finite minds is that there is no level of loss when we're in heaven. Those things, even in in our minds as we think about them and we think that we will miss them, it will be perfect. Those things will be fulfilled in ways that we probably can't even imagine. And that's just the way that God designed it for us. It's really good. Um,
2: all right, so Sylvia, we answer this last one for us. In what ways uh, will believers be judged in heaven? How will that work?
1: Well, we have to remember one thing, that the Bible talks about two separate judgments. This one here that we find in Second Corinthians Uh, 5.10. I'm going to read it. That's the question that you were asking. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in this body, whether good or bad. So the white throne judgment is definitely for the unbeliever. But this judgment is for the believer. And the problem is when we think about judgment, we think about punishment. And this is not the kind of judgment that it is. It is about our deeds here on earth. And and I want to read something to you that I think it tells us why we're judged at that time. And Paul gives us that in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 through 14, that says... If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. So we're talking about that the setback of uh, what we call the judgment seat of Christ, it will be... Anything that we did not do to glorify and honor God will be burned up. We are going to be disappointed because we may even think, look what I did. And Jesus will say, that one was out. Mm. You know, because our motive, our intentions. So it will be a judgment day for the deeds that we have done. And more than anything, it will be a reward day.
2: That's really good. Will you give us a brief overview of the other judgment that the Bible talks about? Pardon me? You said that's that's the white throne of judgment. What what about the other judgment that the Bible talks about? Will you give us just a brief...
1: The white throne? Yes. Well, the white throne judgment, it talks about two books being open. One is the book of life. Of course, those people are not going to be found. See, they can't accuse God of saying, "But I was saved because when that book gets open, it's perfect. You either were saved or you were not saved. So that will be the first one. And the second one, it talks about the second death, which is the separation. By the way, death means separation. And the Bible says, uh, glory to the ones that will not taste the second death. means it's a se- second separation. We're all going to be separated, body from a spirit. That's our first death. But the second death is the one that we will see at the white throne judgment. We won't see it. The unbeliever will see it because they will be separated from God forever.
2: Thank
3: you. Does that answer? That
2: answers it, yeah. Okay. Um, Well, let me answer this final question today before we close in it. relates to that, and that's why I wanted to have you explain it, is who gets to go to heaven? And maybe this is the most important question of all the questions we talked about today. Um, the Bible says that there is only one way to heaven. There are no other ways. John fourteen six says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. And so heaven is a place where souls go when they have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord of their life. There are no shortcuts. There's no free passes. Um, Each person must make a decision of whether they will trust and love God or not. You can't get in on your grandma's faith or your mom's faith. You have to decide all on your own. And heaven is guaranteed for those who put their faith and hope in Jesus. That's the really, really good news. And men and women who put their faith and hope in Jesus will go to heaven without a doubt. However, if a person rejects God or refuses to trust him, heaven is not their final destination. The Bible is very clear about that. And so I want to implore you, I want to encourage you um, today to make this incredibly important decision if you haven't already. Um, None of us have any idea how many breaths we have left. We know that, right? And we talked to the first week, 10 out of 10 people die. Okay, so we all are headed in that direction. But Heaven is waiting for you and waiting to welcome you with open arms. God has made it um, not easy but simple. He has He has made a very clear way for us to have a relationship with Him. And so I just want to invite you, if you're today, if you want to talk more about that right after service, um, we'll be hanging out down here. Some pastors, and I'm sure Silvio and Caleb and Aaron could help as well. And we just want to talk to you more about this important decision um, because it matters. It matters. It matters where. Um, your soul ends up for eternity. And so this was awesome. I'm so thankful. for We thank these guys for coming this morning. And what I would like to do just to end service today is if we could all stand. And together, um, I'd like to pray this scripture from, this prayer from the scripture um, called the Our Father um, that talks about heaven. So let's just pray this out loud together. You can follow along on the screen as we end today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, we love you. We are so thankful for your generous and loving care and we praise you today. And it's in your name I pray, amen. Hey, have an incredible week. We'll see you next Sunday.
1: Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.